welcome to episode four of the Reality Bible Podcast. I can't really believe that it's already like halfway through October. We order our protein through ButcherBox and it comes through every month. And you can add on stuff through your through your orders. And Justin looks at me and says, hey, are we doing a turkey for Thanksgiving? And I, I kind of just thought to myself, I'm like, well, maybe, but why are we talking about that now? And then it hit me that next month is Thanksgiving. I mean, it just, this year flew by so fast. So I'm kind of mind blown. Although Halloween is still coming. And I hope everyone is carving pumpkins and eating candy and drinking cider and watching spooky movies. Um, we've been watching the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I think. Um, the new Sabrina the Teenage Witch spinoff. And it's actually so fitting for Halloween. So if you haven't watched it, you should check it out on Netflix. It's pretty amazing. It's a pretty big week for the Reality Bible Project in that this week the website will finally be going live. So stay tuned on um, my Instagram, my Twitter, Facebook, um, etc. for updates on when the website will go up. It is going to feature a write-in page where you can, you know, go in there and write in directly to my email. And those stories or questions can be featured on the podcast. And obviously you can get the pot, get to the podcast from there. And the blog is going to be accessible through the website. So once it's up, head over to the website and check out the blog posts, the gallery. It's going to be really exciting. So I've been working really hard to get this website um, spun up and ready. So go show it some love when it goes live. And again, check on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook for any updates on when that will go up. But stay tuned because once it does, it's going to be really, really awesome. What I wanted to talk about today is something that everybody has just through developing as a human our brain and our psychology has this component of conditioning. And from the moment you interact with those around you when you're born, you start to get a sense of conditioning. Um, it's like this blank canvas. And once you start interacting with people, those interactions will stick with you. And it's kind of an imprint on this canvas that is your brain. And that's how you learn and those conditioning mechanisms follow you until you learn new ones. So if you think about a baby crying when it's hungry and it gets fed, well every time it's hungry it's gonna cry because the last time it cried and it was hungry it got fed. So you start to put two and two together and you get a result, an outcome that's desirable. And that behavior is operant conditioning, classical conditioning. It depends on what the um, action is, who's teaching, who's learning. You know, it, it depends on a lot of factors, but you're, you're being conditioned somehow. There is also a negative side of this. 
And it's something that I didn't really think about until I was going back and considering some of my learned behaviors, especially from relationships. I unfortunately have just been, for most of my young adult life until now, I've been a pretty um, manipulative and unhealthy relationships in which I was being conditioned a little bit in a certain way that has since followed me through to how I am today. They've kind of become ingrained in my behavior. And it doesn't help that those experiences that I had began in adolescence when, you know, humans are very, very vulnerable. They're learning a lot. So many things are changing for them. And so adolescence is a really challenging time and the things that you learn in adolescence stick with you that much more. So particularly for, you know, someone still my age, adolescence for me was a handful of years ago. So those things are the majority of my life experience was my adolescence and my young adulthood. Beginning in adolescence is when I had some of these relationships that taught me things that shouldn't stick. Those adolescent relationships I was being taught and conditioned in bad ways, in negative ways. And the thing is, I went from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship. And it was the same kind of characteristics through all of them, which is a whole other side of it. The type of person that I was going after to date was a specific type of person and these traits held between all of them because it was a type of person. I was going through these people getting the same results and having these behaviors further ingrained into me even though they were bad conditioning. And then I got to my current relationship with a person who's actually stable and cognizant of others and not a you know narcissistic person. And all of these things, all of these things that I've learned have since been challenged. I had to start looking at myself and going, where did all of this begin? And I think it's important that we all do a little self-reflection because there are ways that you behave that are only ingrained in you because you learned them somehow. And usually those things are molded by significant relationships, your family members, your parents, um, significant events in your life where you grew up, I mean, it depends on all these different things, nature, nurture, all these, you know, concepts that we consider in in basic conversations about psychology. So if I looked back and I considered the things that I learned, there were behaviors that were linked to those experiences that were damaged or you know, convoluted some way, they weren't, they weren't reality. You know, they were a skewed version. And that's a big part of trauma work that I've been doing in the past year or so, is changing what is my perceived reality to what actually is reality. And I have a concrete example of this. The other day, um, I got turned around in my my local medical center. It's a total maze. And I have, you know, been going there for four years and I still don't have the layout very 
well known in my mind. So I started, you know, trying to like search around and find a clinic that I needed to go to. And it was specifically a sleep clinic for a, like a sleep apnea study. So I, having kind of a traumatized image of what sort of room I would be spending time in in the hospital overnight, which in my old experience has been the emergency room, you know, a blue and white room with a mechanical hospital bed and, you know, very full of wires and stands and beeping and sensors. And that's kind of what I was thinking. So I accidentally got turned around in this clinic and I ended up there and I saw one of the rooms that they use for the sleep studies. And I was considering canceling on the sleep study because I didn't want to spend the night in an ER room like that. And I turned and I saw one of the sleep study rooms and it was like a hotel room. It's a real bed with like windows and curtains and a lamp and pillows and actual sheets and a bedspread. It's a full on bedroom. And I, I looked and I was like, I was shocked that my perception of a room I had never seen was not the same as what it was. It was like therapy in front of my eyes. My perceived reality was being proven wrong. And I think that that, in a watered-down fashion, is an example of what this classical and operant conditioning is compared to our reality, particularly when you've been in bad relationships, abusive, manipulative relationships. Your reality is skewed compared to what actually is. So I really started considering this because I have a tendency, I've always had a tendency in my relationships to get incredibly insecure when my partner feels frustrated or they're acting distant or isolated or irritated. And I think that that's not uncommon for people to feel insecure. But for me, it was like this complex It was anxiety-inducing for me. It still is. You know, it's something that I'm still working through, but I've identified that it was something that was causing me anxiety. It was making me worry. It was stressing me out. And I would put up a defense and basically get upset that my partner was feeling upset. Because in my experience, those feelings have led to bad outcomes. I've been in relationships with people where if they would act like this, It was because they were about to pick a fight. We were about to be at each other's throats and, you know, I would be being emotionally attacked and, you know, I would have to put up this wall to try and defend myself. And it it was very immature. It was these immature, you know, psychologically abusive relationships that I was, I was in and they all had this same pattern. These specific emotions that this person experienced led to this outcome. So it was, it bothered Justin when I first started, when this started becoming a problem and he confronted me about it and I had never sat and considered, why do I react this way? And once I considered it, boom, there was my answer was because of those old relationships. And we put it into another metaphor where Let's say you're, you have this house with 
a person and a dog. And the dog has like a invisible fence collar on. And the invisible fence lines around the yard of the house. And when the dog goes to cross the invisible fence, he gets shocked by the collar. And over time, that conditioning teaches the dog, okay, I'm not going to go near the fence. I'm not going to go to the edge of the yard because I'll get shocked. Well, say that the invisible fence gets removed. And now the owner is like, come on, let's go across the yard and let's cross where the invisible fence used to be. The dog is going to have the memories of the invisible fence. He knows what he's been through. And he goes, no, I'm not going to go there again. I've done that before. And so you wind up with this learned behavior. And it's sort of a trauma response in a way. Because your mind, your body, is going through a defense mechanism to prevent you from a pain that you've experienced. An event that you've experienced. Like me with the boyfriends. If... You know, if I knew or felt like a fight was going to ensue or I was about to be, you know, hurt somehow, then I put up a defense regardless of whether or not the person is actually going to hurt me. Specifically, this new person. There's no reason for me to feel that way about the new person. But because of my past experiences, I do. And... I hope that as you're hearing this, you're taking it and kind of thinking about your own scenario where it applies, because it will apply no matter what. Somehow, somewhere in your life, you've experienced a time where a behavior was taught to you, whether it was good or bad. Hopefully it was good, but maybe it was bad. Maybe it was in school. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a sibling. You learn to operate a certain way to either avoid punishment or to gain reward. So it's something that's interesting once you identify because then you can start to see it everywhere. And I started to see it as I was going through trauma work and therapy and I started linking these behaviors of mine currently that I have in in my current state to where they were developed in my life, in my past. And it's wild the kinds of things that I've recognized and said, oh my gosh, that's why this certain thing bothers me nowadays. I had a friend who asked a question for this episode. And this question says, how do I get over my fear of new romantic relationships when I'm so good at sabotaging myself, expecting they'll just leave me like they all do? You know, if you're the one who's always ending up hurt, Is it because they hurt you or you're teaching them to hurt you? And I think that that's super interesting when you're talking about this topic because conditioning doesn't just go one way. If I am in those relationships where every time my partner starts to get irritated, I imagine, okay, we're going to fight and I allow that to happen. Now that partner isn't dissuaded from picking a fight because nothing bad happens to him. And so by not putting a stop to bad behavior, watering it down, be it bad behavior will continue and it'll sometimes get worse, right? So there's a point where 
conditioning, you may be conditioned a certain way and you're allowing bad behavior to slip through the cracks because that's just what you're taught. But now you're allowing that behavior to continue in your partner, whoever you may be with. So if there's a fear of pursuing a certain endeavor, whether it's romantic, whether you want to start a family, whether it's, I I mean, it could be anything, right? But whatever it is, if there's some kind of trauma behind it or some kind of conditioning that you've learned, then there's going to be a memory. And there's going to be a memory either of how you should or shouldn't do it. If you're specifically with a, with a scenario like this, where you were just afraid of new relationships because of what's happened in your past, I will, just to be brutally honest, every relationship you try is going to fail. Because you're expecting, like, like in this question, expecting that they will leave you. You're expecting it to end. You're not anticipating any other outcome. And that in itself is setting you up for failure. Because you don't have an expectation of success. So why would success happen? It requires work and dedication. But if you're not dedicating yourself because you're like, oh, they're going to leave anyway. Nothing else is going to occur. That's the outcome you're going to get. It's, it's a challenge because if you don't know... If you haven't acknowledged this conditioning, then that might be exactly what you're going to do. And the thing is, once you acknowledge these learned behaviors and these conditions that you've grown with, now it's a lot easier to prevent them from controlling you and your actions. I recognized why I react the way I do when my partner is frustrated or irritated And slowly but surely, obviously this is a conditioned behavior, so it's very deeply ingrained, but slowly but surely, those responses have gotten more controlled. I understand why they're happening. So it's easier to contain them, release them in other ways, you name it. But it doesn't have to play out the same way it always has, because I understand why it's happening now. If you haven't recognized those learned behaviors... It's time to put in some self-work and try to learn them. And that's incredibly difficult, but it's a very necessary step if you're really trying to overcome this hurdle because it's a really, really big barrier. And once you take it down, it's down. You have now mastered a skill that you can reach in your bag of tricks and pull out no matter what the circumstance, and it's going to help you. Because conditioning happens all around us every day. And if you recognize conditioning when it's good or bad for you, you are able to help defend yourself against what's going to hurt you. So specifically with relationships, you got to identify what it is that you are hoping for as your outcome. What you are expecting. If you're expecting it to end, it will end. You have to make that conscious choice with intent and dedication for it to succeed. And now you have a shot. So that's my, that's my answer for that question is stop expecting it to end and commit to a different outcome. 
part of that is acknowledging those learned behaviors, and that's a challenge. Another question I received is, um, talking about quarantine specifically, which I can't believe it's already October and quarantine started in March. Anyway, it feels like since the whole quarantine started, we've all been getting angry at one another being home so much. I don't remember being angry all the time at my partner. Is that only because we are, we used to be apart most of the day? Is this how I am normally? This is an interesting thing to think about because most of us had this shakeup when, you know, coronavirus hit and we all were told to stay inside. Most of us were spending more time cooped up with our family, our significant other, or by ourselves maybe, than we ever have. And our daily lives have developed and evolved in a way that really doesn't cater to this sort of behavior. You know, it's always off at work and out to the bars and, you know, out to the gym and out to the mall and out shopping. And I mean, we have developed into a society that spends a lot of time outside the house. Um, I mean, we do things. We're people that do things. And that's great. You know, I mean, it's not necessarily fun to stay cooped up inside all day. Uh, like day and day and day on end. There's even a time where people who love staying home by themselves all the time sometimes need to get outside. So I think that feeling a type of irritation with your partner, with your kids, with your parents, whoever is with you when you're cooped up together in quarantine, that's definitely to be expected. And hopefully by now most of us are over that because it's, it's been several months now. And I mean, now we're allowed to, you know, do our thing and go outside, but it's something that when you look back and consider, absolutely. It's not normal to be stuck at home in close quarters with your partner. If you guys were used to going out of the house, interacting with others at different jobs, and then coming home and spending a specific set of hours together. So I think that that's interesting because not only have we learned to, you know, have we developed these specific patterns with our partners and our families, but through that, we have developed a conditioned behavior with how we interact with them. We either, you know, talk about certain things. We bring a different attitude home than we had at work. You know, people say, like, you have your work voice and your home voice. And, I mean, that's just a physical manifestation of how you present yourself at work versus at home. Um, The things that you talk about at work and at home might be different. And when you are challenged in your environment, absolutely, there will be discomfort. Because humans are routine creatures. We get into habits. So when those habits change, it's absolutely upsetting mentally and emotionally. So, no, it's not necessarily how you are normally, right? And I think normal is a connotation that we need to eliminate because it's just, it doesn't help anybody. But I think that 
you are in a different environment than you are used to. And with that challenge, there's, there's the external challenge and it prompts an internal challenge. So it's to be expected. It's not a bad thing. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully by now, a lot of that storming that you encounter when you're first cooped up with your partner or your family all day, hopefully that's coming to an end. Um, I mean, we we watched it happen with the family TikToks and the, you know, cooking shows. And I mean, people were kind of desperate for, for things to do to distract themselves. But I mean, hopefully we're over it. It's been several months and, you know, but ideally you took that time to reflect on why you interact with your family the way you do. And maybe something positive came out of it. Ideally, who knows? I think that considering your own conditions and behaviors and things that you've learned over your life, it's something that's overlooked. But when you do it and you commit to that action, a lot of good comes from it because it creates a deeper understanding of why you are the way that you are. And I think that that's something that's invaluable to understand and to recognize. I want to bring this into one other consideration. Bear with me because it's going to sound a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but it's still the same idea. And specifically, I'm going to talk in the sense of a workplace, right? So you're, you have an office with coworkers, male, female, and let's say, let's consider that we have a male coworker who makes inappropriate jokes bordering on sexual harassment near around his female coworkers and other male coworkers. And I'm only assigning the males and females that way because generally that's how it occurs in a workplace. Obviously that's not all the time, but often that's how it is. So let's say our friend Jim is making inappropriate comments and borders bordering on sexual harassment around female and male coworkers, and nobody speaks up. Well, Jim now thinks it's okay to continue making those jokes and they'll advance because he's doing it to make people laugh. So he's going to up the ante. He's going to make them, you know, more edgy to get people's attention. Right. And he's going to act this way because the outcome he got last time was people laughed. So he's going to continue to do it because he continues to want to make people laugh. He wants that outcome, so he'll practice the same behavior. I'm going to throw in a twist. One time Jim makes a joke, and his friend decides to speak up, a male friend, speaks up and says, hey, that's inappropriate, you shouldn't say that. He speaks up and puts a stop to the joke. Well, now Jim might feel embarrassed, because he made an inappropriate joke and got called out on it, instead of people laughing. Now Jim goes, oh, I don't want to do that again. And he backs off, right? And I say that because in my experience, when a male is making these inappropriate comments and a woman speaks up, we are told, why are you being so sensitive? It's just a joke. So if males stand up on our behalf and be our allies, now you might have influence to change that behavior of your office gym. The guy who's making these comments and creating an environment that's 
negative for some of your office members, some of your coworkers. If that behavior is tolerated and not given a corrective action, they're being conditioned to continue that behavior. You have to provide a condition against that behavior for it to change. It won't just die out on its own. It's got a momentum and you have to either change the momentum or let it continue. Just food for thought. I want you to consider that and consider the role that conditioning plays in our daily lives because it's extensive. So think about it the next time you're driving to work, the next time you're talking with a friend or a family member. Notice these things that become patterns and start to consider why they are patterns, where they developed, and hopefully that cements it a little and maybe it'll impact some other areas of your life. Ideally, I don't know. Thanks everyone for listening to episode four of the Reality Bible Podcast. Make sure to check in on all my uh, social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Stay tuned for the website going live. It will happen sometime this week. Go check out the blog, give some support to the website, share with your friends, and obviously interact. Give me some stories, send me some messages. I love to hear from you guys. So stay tuned, check it out when it goes live, and I will talk to y'all soon. 